a hacker gets paid if they hack your contract. We get paid if we hack your contract, right? So, so we're like continuously training our brains over the past 18 months. We get rewarded when we find findings. We, I don't think we've had, at least in the last year, I don't think we've had a single report without a high finding that I can think of. GMGM GM, everyone, my name is Dugachi and I'm here with Owen from Guardian Audits. What's up guys, GM? It's lovely having you here, I've been friends with you for quite some time. Very remarkable progress you've made with Guardian Audits, starting from nothing. Um, and basically, I just want to start off the conversation with what are you doing, TLDR? Yeah, dude, absolutely. First of all, let me just say, like, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a new, like, podcast to listen to. I feel like we need some more. We need some more, like, technical podcasts. So I'm very yeah, much right. looking forward to this series mm -hmm. and uh, all the great guests that you got coming up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a banger. So, yeah, TLDR of what we're doing at this moment, at this moment, we are actually doing our sixth round of audits for GMX V2. Hopefully we can, yeah, the sixth round, hopefully this will be the last, you know, <laughs> we always try to uncover as many critical vulnerabilities as possible, but, you know, deep down we're, we're kind of hoping that we don't, <laughs> mm -hmm. so that we, uh, we don't need to be doing like, another round another two rounds stuff like this for you know big refactors or anything like this but yeah. at this point we've been through like the code base has been two through two sherlock contests so you know we're getting very solid and so, that's on top of your one as well yeah yeah and we we even audited them like in parallel throughout the the contest as well so okay the code base should be getting very solid should be um coming up on the launch of v2 we are very excited for that but beyond like the the gmx v2 work that we're doing you know i'm always just putting out videos you know whatever i can think of whatever people ask me for on youtube of yep. you know anything we got a cool like call data like decoding like manual decoding call data video coming up it's awesome. not going to be nearly as cool as as your article <laughs> but uh but i'm excited for it we get to go through and we basically just decode like some advanced like multi-call call data stuff like that and yeah. i guess beyond that we have been building like a, a community of you know people who are interested in security and, and stuff like this where you can come talk to 600 other auditors and security engineers or just blockchain developers who are interested in, in security mm -hmm. and even like sometimes we we run like some like team contests. This is a little bit of alpha where we're just Ooh. starting to call it guardian defender where okay. people come in, they have, you know, we charge them like a pot fee and then we will basically form teams in the community of people who have like taken an exam and, and passed it. Mm -hmm. And you get to basically like audit with people from all across the world, meet new people, learn how they like to audit and yeah. come up with a real report for a real protocol for your team and basically be like on your own, on your own audit firm in this mm -hmm. contest and, and get rewarded for, for findings and stuff like that. So yeah. that is pretty much everything we got going on right now. Man, it sounds like a lot and you're juggling all this as well. So I guess like we're going to start on the, the little defense, like the Guardian defense stuff you're starting on. So I'm guessing that's kind of like 
for example, Spearbit, and they select like their teams with like the senior and whatever, but it's with randoms basically, right? Yeah, so it is, it is, you know, actually somewhat like Spearbit. Like we do have like an exam that you have to take and then. Okay, so it's not just like people great. off the street. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They've been like, it's not just like anybody. But what what we do is we actually. So it's almost like if you had Spearbit, but you had like three different teams yeah. created within Spearbit, and they like competed against each other. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're not doing like the base pay, the ridiculous base pay that that Spearbit does for you know a, a top LSR will get twenty thousand a week. We don't do that. It's sort of like a cross combination of a a contest like a c4 contest but then also like pairing people up into teams so now instead of individuals competing for you know their individual findings individual rewards mm-hmm. it's teams competing for like team rewards team findings stuff like that so it was like kind of like a pool as well do you have free allocated funds yeah 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 absolutely so it's i mean the the incentive structure is very interesting Okay. Right? Because there's, there's like, <laughs> there, well, if you think about it, it's like, if you get the incentives, right, you can really knock like any sort of like contest platform or anything out of the park. Right. Oh but, yeah. Sure. And there's a lot of different ways you could configure it. You could give people base, you could, you know, do stuff like C4 style, or you could do a combination. And then mm-hmm. there's also like intra team. How do I split up the rewards for finding intra team? Or do I just leave it up to the team? And this is something we're going to iterate on and we've been sort of like experimenting with, but mm-hmm. for the defender contest we're running right now, which is for a, a smaller perpetuals platform, mm. we're basically having like a base pay for a team lead. Mm-hmm. And the team lead is like, you know, someone who's most experienced, someone who okay. has yeah. shown, you know, that they've made disclosures on immune file, they've placed in contests, stuff like this. Yep. And they're basically responsible for their team, right? Responsible right, for right. the report. And then, so right now, the way we have it is those people get a base allocation and then the teams will split whatever rewards they get, however they see fit. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's subject to change as we make improvements to the model and stuff like that. There's so many different ways you can incentivize this stuff. And you see like all these different platforms doing the same kind of thing, like hats for like a critical vulnerability. It's yep. basically first first come, first serve. So if you find a critical on hats, it's like 80% of the pool goes to you. Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. If they want to do like another like round, they'll put more funds in to find another critical. But I think that's way better than like C4, C4 structure where it's just kind of like, okay, if someone finds the same bug, it's like a duration. Then at the end, they review everything. And it's like, okay, let's split it between all these people that found the same bug. I think the first come first serve incentivizes fast and efficient auditors right i think that's probably yeah, my favorite I mean, thing right now. exactly ideally you want the bug to be uncovered as fast as possible exactly and yeah. like there's tons of these new models coming up right so like there's i forget what the the new model is called but it's like a per- permissioned like you're invited to participate in it yeah yeah like private ones yeah 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 and then like of course the whole advent of contests in general like you know mm-hmm. somewhat recent in the past like two years or something like that but i i'm really bullish on all these new models just because like the more iteration the more like capital efficiency we'll find with exactly, you know what yeah. models align the incentives instead of you know what we have had for the past you know four years or, or whatever is yeah. you know yeah. the big firm model 
which is it is basically you know in in my mind of course there's you know big firms they do fantastic work mm-hmm. they do some yeah. of the best work in the field but they also charge like in in some people's opinion yeah, a, a ridiculous amount and they kind of have to because there's a lot of overhead when a business gets that big and it's it's just yeah it, it's not the most effective like distribution of of resources right when you have the auditors who are like without a doubt, the most important key piece of a security product, mm-hmm. they're only getting like, you know, like 20% of the actual cost that the client is paying. Yeah. The client would much rather have the entirety or like 90% of the amount that they're paying be forwarded to the talent who is actually doing the audit, right? So I think all these new models and stuff like the Cantina, and stuff like that are going to be addressing this and basically making sure that the clients are actually getting a lot more like getting what they deserve out of their oh, money. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Getting a lot more auditing power out of their money. Value kind of thing. Speaking on the big firms, let's talk about Guardian audits and how, <laughs> how you brought that up from its infancy to where it is now growing strongly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are we are very much not a a big firm by any means of hey, you're any imagination at this point, but we are we are a firm. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah, so so Guardian Audits really started when about like two years ago, I wanna say, around two years ago, we were in the space building a DeFi protocol and we wanted to launch right we're coming up and launch and of course you need to get an audit like we could not sleep at night if we didn't yeah the demand was so high and supply was just not even existent basically yeah exactly and so we were very much like we are of like the the entrepreneurial class of builders in the space we don't have you know we didn't raise money for this project it's not something that we really wanted to raise money for yeah. it was a rebate token optimizer vault it's not something that okay. you would want to raise money for <laughs> but, okay, right. but um yeah so we were just you know very much building in the space we had come previously from running like a, a micro like SaaS app and transition into crypto you know we we were really just getting into the space learning solidity at the time and and saw like a cool opportunity with olympus and all these like freaking forks that were popping up time was popping up around the time and and stuff like that so yeah that that's what we were working on and we wanted to launch it right so we got Mm -hmm. an audit and it was the most expensive thing that we ever bought okay we we didn't (laughs) i mean it was only a few thousand dollars okay by the time it was like yeah, but at at the time for us, that's in terms of business expenses. You know, the most we had ever paid before that was an AWS bill. Of, you know, a few hundred bucks. Yeah, right. Yeah, so sure. that was like a very high hard cost for mm-hmm. us that we were not used to previously being you know software entrepreneurs where you can just write a bunch of Python and then deploy it, or like write a bunch of like React and then literally deploy a front end for free. Yeah, with yeah. like network buy or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that, that was kind of a, a sh- shock. But I mean, of course, it makes sense if you're going to have 
if you want good people to look at your code, you're gonna have to pay yeah. a few thousand dollars. And that was that was cheap, right? We we oh, did yeah. not get an audit that was especially at that time. If you wanted even like a, a B tier firm, the quotes for our project, if I remember correctly, so we had probably I wanna say twelve hundred slock, a thousand slock, by no means a huge project. Yeah, so lines of cards. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the quotes were like $30,000 or something like that, which is okay, understandable. I mean, and, and these were not from top tier firms. The top tier firms would have been six figures. Okay. So yeah, so these were even like the B tier firms. So let's, um, let's touch base on like what makes a top tier firm and what makes, you know, like a B tier. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So to, like break in a top tier firm is, in my opinion, I mean, it's word of mouth, right? People just know, right? It's right. the reputation. That is exactly what makes a top tier firm. There's no like, there's no stats. There's no leaderboard that I know of, at least. There are probably mm -hmm. some like, you know, more niche ones, but there's no leaderboard or scoreboard that people point to. And it's like, okay, that's a top tier firm, but it's very much word of mouth. Okay. Anybody you ask, if you ask 20 people and you'll get like an overlapping three or four that always yeah, come up. Just reputation. Those are the top tier firms. Yeah. Okay, and people sweet. just know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then back to the contract quoted for 30K. Yeah, yeah. So 30K was, you know, a bit, bit more than we wanted to spend. We ended up getting a firm yeah. for, you know, a few thousand dollars. You know, our expectations were not super high, but beyond a few thousand dollars, we expected something, right? Okay, right. So, and I, I won't reveal, you know, which firm it was, but basically we got the report and it basically looked, it was like auto-generated, dude. Like, oh, really? Like some AI like, chat GPT? There's like thing. nothing relevant. Informationals. Yeah, it was no critical, high, medium, uncovered, just stuff that didn't really matter. Okay. Like, basically, if you ran Slither, and then you charged $5,000 for it. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what we got. And we actually, at that point, we knew, okay, the security of this protocol is in our hands now. Yeah. <laughs> right. So from that point, we really dove into everything smart contract security and everything like that, so, you know, learned about all the different attack vectors and, you know, had to make a few changes to the protocol because we realized like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense, right? For the, you yeah, know, yeah. if the attacker can make us like, go over the block gas limit by making so many deposits or, you know, stuff like that, yeah, that yeah. we had to like refactor as we learned more. And so then after like another, like, that's the thing with, developing in this space is like the development it just goes on and on because once you deploy you can't like you know can't i mean you can have immutable contracts but if it's going to be immutable it's just got to be right the first time so, so you mm -hmm. can't really iterate like you can in web 2 so like mm -hmm. yeah we just spent months of just like writing thousands of lines of tests and like just like being Hammering down like, like best practices what's like yeah just being like schizophrenic right just yeah and then after that, you basically just was like, okay, wait, why don't we just create a firm? Like what happened to that project? You just kind of ditched it and moved on to the yes. firm? Or... Yes. So here's the, the exciting part is we deployed, we so, launched, we like, so we wanted to configure like a cap 
on you know how much you can deposit in the vault just to you know keep risk mitigated yeah so what we do is we'd like and it was also sort of a a way to like garner demand because if you limit supply people people want it that much more so uh what we did is we we capped it to only like 10 grand or something just to 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 launch the vault launch went perfectly like it the cap filled up like literally within seconds it was it was freaking amazing and then we thought we were good we're like okay yeah we got the the positions are in the vault we've got the the keeper the keepers running doing its stuff and everything looked good Mm -hmm. and then a few days later i was just i don't know i think i was just messing around on our our website i had a little portion in the vault that i got in the vault that I, you know, allowed myself to get in the vault just to be in the vault as well. And I went to withdraw from the vault. Yeah. <laughs> and now, of course, at this point, nobody else had withdrawn from the vault, right? Because they're all, they all got in the vault. They're all happy. They're, they're getting their rebase tokens optimized. And they're <laughs> yeah. Freaking 3 billion percentage APY. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I'm the first person who withdraws from the vault. And mm. when I open up a MetaMask window, I see cannot estimate gas. Okay. Yeah, right. that usually means an error. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I start just like, what? What's up? What's up with this? Uh, is it our front end? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was looking at the front end code. I was like, what's wrong with this? Right. And then yeah. I, yeah. so I go over to the Block Explorer, you know, check things out. And, you know, waste a bunch of gas, like executing these things that just fail. And oh, you paid for it. Sick. <laughs> okay. I wanted to see, like, I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, uh, yeah. So basically what, you know, you know, you, you slowly, you're just in disbelief and then you start, you're like, no, we're like, what? No, this thing, we tested this thing so freaking heavily and thoroughly right and then like you slowly then you're like okay no something is wrong here right i I literally can't get my money out i have no idea why so then call up daniel the the guy who who basically launched the protocol with me Mm-hmm. And now we're like, dude, we're like sweating. <laughs> we're like, oh, dude, we got ten grand in here. Did we just lock lock ten grand in this contract, dude? And so <laughs> we're like sweating on this. Like, I don't know. We're on like Microsoft Teams, bro. I'm like sharing my screen, and we we have no idea what's going wrong here because that's another thing. That's another problem that needs to get solved, like debugging contracts and stuff like that. Basically, we found out that there was just this one edge case that, you know, we had a parallel sort of accounting for, you know, when somebody's doing this, yeah, stuff like that. And we found out that, okay, well, we screwed up in this one edge case. And thankfully, thank God, we had like an emergency function that we could like force people out of the vault Mm-hmm. Um, if need be, and we were actually able to like force people out and, and get their money back. Right, like um, an emergency withdrawal. And then yeah, basically yeah, after yeah. this is what you're like, okay, security is a necessary <laughs> thing and it's Absolutely. so expensive. And I'm yeah. assuming that's why you've made sort of the model of like pay per vulnerability because people like you, like they're just building protocols and they have no money or funding, they need these these uh, services, but they can't afford it. So I think that model makes complete sense. Um, I assume that's 
why you made that model, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We basically made the product that we would have wanted, right? Yeah. If we were in our shoes, we were like, okay, I never want to buy an audit and spend, even even though we didn't spend that much in terms of, you know, how expensive audits could be, mm-hmm. I want to have, you know, some sort of trust and guarantee that they're actually going to be incentivized to not just run Slither and then yeah. give you the report. Like if you run Slither and give me the report, like I'm only giving you a thousand dollars, no more. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I should not pay you at all. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You could do it yourself. But yeah, that, I, I totally see why you've made that model. I was thinking about that before. Um, like, why has he gone this route completely different from everyone else in the game where they just charge, you know, a set amount for a certain amount of time spent on it, lines of code, complexity, et cetera. Um, whereas you have just gone the complete opposite route. You're, you're basically catering for the, the startup that has no capital and they need security otherwise it's not gonna they might just like destroy the whole reputation right so it makes complete sense so congrats on that (laughs) now that you've got like um customers like gmx and you've been working with them for quite some time now what do you think is different from short-term audits and long-term audits like gmx where you've been doing it for months yeah yeah because i don't think a lot of people get to experience like very long-term audits it's usually weeks maximum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like especially you know just competing in contests sometimes like contests on code arena can be very short right even just like Mm -hmm. four days like to me like four days that's not even an audit (laughs) that's that's just like uh reading (laughs) yeah that's some light reading yeah yeah so there is there is very much a a different approach that you would take i mean there are of course like similarities and things you could abstract out mm-hmm. between you know auditing like a single contract as like a token contract or something dead simple and auditing an entire system and ultimately like what, what will become an entire ecosystem in gmx v2 and so i would say in terms of similarities i mean they're both smart contract audits yeah. now in terms of things that are different yeah obviously the timeline the complexity I think if we drill down into like the unique like attacks, the attacks are so much more interesting when you have a huge code base and things are like very much tied together, interacting with each other. Yeah. Like in GMX, you have these markets which are isolated in terms of like trader PL and and backing mm-hmm. backing like tokens for liquidity, but they're very much intertwined in the fact that I can swap across all of these markets in the GMX ecosystem. And that can affect any one of my orders that are going to apply to any single market. So the the mm-hmm. type of vulnerabilities that you get from something like that, where you have a massive code base with a, so much configuration and like different things that the user can do, mm-hmm. you wind up with these critical vulnerabilities that are very much like taking Lego blocks and like structuring things together and seeing, okay, well, I have this thing over here that does this if i fit it together with this over here can i get like some sort of risk-free trade where i can essentially like arbitrage the the price system or something like this and so when it comes to these larger audits it's it is still you have that aspect of course of like reading code on a granular level and coming up with like oh well you forgot access control here like of course that stuff always applies and and that's the that's the the union or the intersection 
Gotcha. That's the intersection of these like simple audits and complex audits. But the 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 piece that is unique to these huge audits is thinking like sitting back and actually spending way more time not looking at the code base, but mm-hmm. thinking about the not even the code, thinking about all of the things that a user can do and thinking about how they can how manipulate can they influence it in any way. Yeah, exactly. And then basically through that, you basically look at all the control flows. Okay, where can a user change an input and directly influence something? And then try and think of the whole context like as a macro and see what puzzle pieces you can kind kind of like click together. Maybe they don't have the right, you know, interactions and it doesn't work, it just fails in like a, a proof of concept, right? But then eventually, maybe one of them will click. You have some critical vulnerability. I'm guessing that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what it's like, right? No, that's exactly what it's like. And then we get to get, you know, really excited because we get paid per per vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the best approach because the criticals are the most, you know, like most important, like you'll lose all your money, lose your reputation, projects over, yep. basically. And I wonder if it's even a good strategy to, if you have like a short order, like a week, I, w- I wonder if it's good to just quickly look over the, the flows where you can input and then think of a macro of, okay, this again, like the, the contract and what connects together with it, maybe that would be better for auditors instead of just going through the code and be like, okay, what, what can I exploit within this contract alone? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I think there's very much as like, as the lines of code in a code base scale up, you move along the spectrum from spending most of your time reading code to mm-hmm. spending most of your time thinking about the code base, Gosh. not looking at the code base. Mm. And I think like the more lines that are introduced, the more complexity and the more complexity means more mm-hmm. like margin for error, right? So there's even more attack services and whatnot. Maybe they even missed the simple things because there's so many things to remember and read. When you're auditing something, what did you wish you had with you while you've been, while you're auditing? Like maybe like an assistant or some kind of tool that you can generate, you know, that you wish you had. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually only recently sort of come up with a system that I wish I was using like a year ago and throughout the past year. And the system is basically just recording all of the things that you you notice through your experience, right? Very simple. Like, mm-hmm. of course, like I I have like taken notes and stuff like this, but it's never been organized in a system and specifically in a way such that other people can replicate everything that I've learned and you know the way that I like to audit right. based on everything I've learned. And this is something that has been like it's something you don't think about when you're starting off as an auditor. Like yeah. when you're starting yeah. off, you're way more interested in just finding critical vulnerabilities in general yeah like progress yeah you don't really think about like okay how can i empower other people to find these critical vulnerabilities or potentially even more interesting bespoke critical vulnerabilities yeah without like me having to necessarily do that but being able to give them everything that i've learned about this code base and everything that I've learned about auditing in general and, you know, the general like attack vectors, external calls, manipulation, mm-hmm. things like this. How can I distill all of that down and give it to other people as like a system 
that is like very easy to execute and operate and almost like deterministic in nature, mm-hmm. where if you just follow the system, then you will uncover very interesting exploits, right? And it's a very hard thing to do. But okay. that's something that I've started doing and I, I did a short thread on it, but okay. that is the tool that I wish I had been using. And basically the way it works is at, at this point in iteration, like we'll continually be improving it, but like having, you know, every time you notice a new sort of class of vulnerability, like, you know, there are so many common things that go wrong, just documenting it and then thinking of a system, like what can I do to make sure that I always uncover this thing? Like a step-by-step guide to make, yeah, yeah. You know, I got you. And, yeah. And it's kind of like a dictionary. There, yeah, exactly. From there, it could almost, a lot of these could just be automated, like mm-hmm. through, you know, like smart static analysis or yeah, like you know, whatever you've got. Yeah. Like <laughs> And, uh, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, if, you, if it's just step by step, like if you make a sort of methodology to find this stuff, it could pot, like so easily make a heuristic based system to just automate mm-hmm. that or even just like analyze, yeah. like, oh, this has the potential to do this, right? Not even like mm-hmm. find it, but at least alerting you of it. I think definitely that could be a massive like game changer, especially when you've recorded like, you know, dozens of like vulnerabilities, hundreds, like then you have, you know, all in one summary tool just to help you. Oh, yo, right here, check it out. <laughs> yeah, dig here, exactly, yeah. And I mean, it, it's it's not foolproof by any means. Of like course. it's just time the, the, Yeah, the rules that will be like, you know, the systems recorded here are very much easily applicable to the smaller code base. Mm-hmm. But then when you scale up, you get more lines of code, you know, the, the exploits become very much unique to the code base. And so that's very much the challenge here is how can I develop a system that can apply to like even these really complex code bases with unique exploits, particular to these code bases? How can you develop a system where other people can just follow the system and then uncover those vulnerabilities? And of course, maybe no perfect system like that exists, but how could you give people exactly the tools that they need to be able to do that? And then in my mind, that's really the key to being able to scale a really, really powerful auditing force, like even just in the community. Like as soon as I get that system down, like you better believe I'm going to be releasing videos about it, teaching people how to use it. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah, you'd just be like, you can bring it on interns, man, and just teach them through that anything kind of like that it's just easy onboarding ramp them up up to speed all your years of experience just compiled into one good resource and if they just apply it read it and then apply what they read then Mm -hmm. accelerating so i i assume that's what you would do if you restarted it's just record yeah perfect so let's say we already know how you differentiate i want to know how did you get the partnership with GMX? Like, did you have a reputational leverage at the time or what happened? Yeah. So I think, so, I mean, one day really, they just reached out to us. Oh, <laughs> it's really? kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, it's crazy how uh, things happen. But I think they either heard about us from somebody else we previously worked with and they really liked the, the paper vulnerability model. And then they heard about us through the, through the grapevine from that. But mm-hmm. Regardless of, you know, 
how exactly they first heard of us. Basically, you know, they were shopping around for uh, initial auditors as they were like very early in the synthetics process, which is now turned into just GMX V2. Mm-hmm. And they, they basically wanted an early audit and then is basically turned into like us continually, t- continually coming back, doing more audits as they continue to, you know, in mm-hmm. the beginning, they were very much still like building out the system. Yep. And then now after, you know, six rounds, we're just now like patting down the final like remediations that they've made for all the vulnerabilities we've uncovered and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm pretty like coming from GMX and that building, you know, like reiterating every time it makes sense for them to come to your business with your model where you're they're basically paying for each vulnerability. They're not paying, you know, you know, twenty fat twenty thousand for just a reiteration of a function. They're mm-hmm. they're paying like, okay, oh we, we fucked up here. Let's let's fix this. Thanks. Yeah. Let's pay you. It, it's like contract work basically. But like the service is basically guaranteed or they don't pay, which is actually very, you know, attractive. And I'm, I'm surprised not a lot of firms do that. Yeah, very unique strategy. And maybe some people will start picking it up trying to steal from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I welcome people to, to use the model. It's a great model. It's a great offer for clients. But I mean, of course, I think like like trust, he pointed out and he had a tweet. Mm-hmm. There are like several downsides, of course, with the model, like course, as there yeah. are with anything. Um, like, of course, if you're not getting paid up front a certain amount, you have no idea how much you're about to make. Exactly, and yeah. it does make it hard if you're trying to build out a team, right? If you, mm-hmm. you know, if you need to pay people a certain amount, but you don't know exactly how much. Yeah. And the way we've sort of worked with that thus far is to we have so so the way it works is there's like a a down payment which in the beginning was extremely small it was only like a thousand dollars or something like this just to be like okay just you are actually going to get our audit (laughs) right like you're you're booked out on our calendar we we've actually got like some money from you you're serious about this we're serious about this okay Mm -hmm. and then you know after whatever we uncover then we you know decide whatever the fees are and we've never not found something. We always we always make always. more in vulnerability fees than the down payment every every single time thus far. So that has not been an issue as of yet. Mm-hmm. But um, so our response to you know being able to scale up and have some initial like guaranteed amount has been to of course raise the the down payment and the minimum down payment. And of yep. course that depends on the size of the code base and stuff like that. Yeah, but sure. yeah, very much still the bulk of what we get paid is from paper vulnerability. Yeah, but and you always uh, find something. Always, like we have, <laughs> we, I don't think we've had, at least in the last like year, I don't think we've had a single report without, without. a high finding. Oh really? Wow, that's, that I can think of. That's there might actually there was one there was one where we only had like two mediums and that was like a really small like token contract okay right uh, kind of like a fall or something. <laughs> but anything that's non-trivial yeah there's literally no reports that don't have at least a high most of them have you know multiple highs multiple criticals but oh wow that's like that's dependent on the the code base that we've get yeah that you get obviously if you give us ave 
as it is right now, we're going to have a very tough mm-hmm. time finding a high vulnerability. But we've gotten, you know, lucky with, you know, the, the clients that, that we take on, like, Man, I don't know stuff. if that's luck. Like, <laughs> I guess it is part luck and part skill, you know, because you're consistently finding them. So I would definitely say that that's skill. But there's always yeah, like it's also, yeah, it's also incentives too, because exactly, yeah. like it, it just keeps us looking that extra day. You know, we, we just spend mm-hmm. that extra hour on this function because we we really do want to uncover that finding so we can we can get that payout right and i can recall several instances where like since we charged per vulnerability like we were already like confident of the system but mm-hmm. we just we just kept looking because you know we just we just we want to get the we want to get that money man so <laughs> we spent an extra day and like what do you know like something just comes out of it and it's like actually like a bad like high yeah. finding and that's what security is, is you just have to go those extra days, right? You just, even if you think the system is good, you've got to be incentivized to look back. And if I'm only getting paid a, a base amount and it doesn't change, no matter what I uncover, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop. If I'm confident in the system, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep coming back. Auditing is also very creative. And I don't think people would instinctively think of that, that, Auditing is actually very creative if you want to mm-hmm. be a, an elite auditor because it's it's all thinking about you know possible possibilities and there's so many possibilities of external contracts. Um, if we're talking criticals, right? Highs and like mediums, you don't necessarily be have to be as creative. But if you want to be elite, you've got to think of okay, you've really got to think outside the box in a literal sense, because the contract could be the box. And then outside <laughs> yeah. of it, it, you know, is, is well, the dangers lie like a flash loan and coming in, you know, yep. the user, the user is the unknown. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like even coming in with like a black hat mindset is like the best. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if you sold this on chain, how would you yeah. want to attack this? Right? Yeah, no, I mean, to your point, like, it exactly changes your mindset into exactly the mindset you need to have, right? A hacker gets paid if they hack your contract. Mm-hmm. We get paid if we hack your contract, right? So so we're like continuously training our brains exactly. over the past 18 months. We get rewarded when we find findings. We just continuously optimize for that. I think that actually makes you very powerful because it. I think with your company, you can incentivize blackouts to even come on board. If I was a black hat and I found, you know, a critical bug would be like, oh, wow, I don't want to like exploit this because then I'll have to look over my back for the rest of my life. Yeah. And if I exploit it, your, your life is basically over. But I think it really is one of the best models. And even if someone listens to this or a protocol, I think they should definitely go with you because, okay, if they don't have funding, okay, you pay what you can. Yeah. If you do have funding, you're still getting the most value out of, any team like sure they're not trail of bits for example but you're guaranteeing basically value for money which is exactly what protocols want in early stages at least so i think even having that as like a testimonial or telling your story is is quite insightful for the customer um because i didn't know about how you started before this and after hearing it it makes complete sense and like you were in the customer's shoes once and you know what they're needing, missing, and you're providing. 
you're providing a solution for a problem that you had basically, which is, yeah, it's, it's quite good. Um, actually really impressed. So I wonder how do you start building like this clientele? Um, like let's say a new auditing firm comes out. Um, if you were to start, start it all over again, I guess, what would you, what would you do differently to kind of accelerate the process and build this reputation and, you know, yep. build partnerships and whatnot? Yeah. If I were to start all over, I would do a few things differently for sure. First of all, I would compete in a lot of contests. This is one thing that I actually kind of I'm frustrated about because okay. I really want to compete in a lot of contests, but like we just have like audits we need to do. <laughs> like and, and it's it's kind of frustrating. Like we, we wanna, you know, hopefully take our, our foot off the gas a little bit and have time to compete in more contests as like a team or even if you know individuals are free they want to do it mm -hmm. and you know just put our name out on the leaderboard but i think certainly if we were starting all over that's the first thing i would do is get like like eight ten a dozen like top placing mm -hmm. um positions under our belt so that way we first of all you have the confidence in yourself yeah and that will just do wonders if you truly believe that you are the best auditing team for this project mm -hmm. you're going to be very effective at selling them right and, and getting yeah. their audit because you with everything that you know if you were standing in the customer's shoes you would buy exactly. right because you're just like i i know like guys you trust me you don't want to go with x big name you want to go with us like like i just know this like you're, you're not going to get what we're going to give you if you go anywhere else mm -hmm. if if you have that kind of confidence that like contests like that that will get your your confidence boosted immediately right if, if you're yeah. able to score really highly second of all of course you get to say that okay look we our team we scored you know top three top two top place mm. in x number of contests we have experience in these code bases yeah. Look, here's our findings are publicly verifiable. Look, nobody else found this finding that we found in XYZ. Mm -hmm. And you're on the leaderboard, right? People know the leaderboard. So that's the first thing I would do. I would go so hard on contests. And I actually think it would be like, especially in this time in, in contests, there's not too many like big, big names competing in contests as okay. of right now. Yeah. So I, th I think there's an opportunity for new folks who want to get in and really make a name for themselves. Definitely mm -hmm. go and start tearing it up in contests. And that will be like your starting sort of credibility and, and that will get you really started. And then from there, it's in my opinion, it's all downhill. Right. Yeah. And then after that, I would start putting out so much content, put out like the most valuable content from everything you've learned along the way and mm -hmm. basically just build up your network, right? Build up connections, build up your name in the space so that people sure, know yeah. that like this person is, you know, just make security related with your name, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, people will know and every day the circle will grow bigger and until it gets to a point where you just can't really stop it. And then you just have so many people hitting you up for, security services and security audits that mm -hmm. it's hard not to build out a team if that's what you want to do and yeah and 
you know, start to scale things up and go on from there. But yeah, those are the two things. And really, I think that, you know, you could get into all sorts of things like charging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. I think if you do just those two things and you focus on just those two things, you'll build an amazing reputation, an amazing brand, an amazing yeah. firm base. You'll work with amazing clients over time. And yeah, those are the only two things that you really need to focus on. Yeah, once you get like the initial clients, basically, you have that reputation and basically credentials of a referral in a way. So they're going to be connected to more protocols and then they're going to refer you if you did a great job, like quality of work. And I think some people just try and go in and find as as much as they can in a short amount of time. But it Mm -hmm. is really like a grind and you got to think outside the box, they said and provide a quality report so they can understand, but also providing good information so how they can upgrade in the future. Because that's what they're there for. They want to see where they're fucking up, want to see how they can prevent this in the future. And that's really what they're paying for, right? So if you can do those things, educate. And yeah, it's it's basically education, right? You're teaching them to code better in a more secure way. And I think you're doing this amazing job with the content. like you've just exploded in in popularity and Twitter and you're just releasing content after content. It's so valuable. And I think a lot more people should definitely watch your stuff because like not a lot of people provide content and people think content diminishes their kind of like edge, but it brings you a new edge. Right. And it also that edges in, you know, networking and it's also in promotion because when people, new people come in or want to switch, fields or want to learn something even like the veterans they don't they might not even know about it and then they look at it they share with their friends and then it's just a never-ending spiral on the internet i think you've done a tremendous job on that and i think it attributes a lot to your success as well keep knowing it i also wanted to know if you're basically getting into auditing and someone approaches you for a private audit um i guess when you finish it how do you promote yourself after that aside from like the referrals and all that stuff yeah, are you saying like to that client again for like recurring services or I guess, something? Yeah, like that? recurring. And then if someone, if you're trying to promote yourself as a personal brand or whatever, and you've only done private audits, how do you kind of expand from just that one person or small circle that you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. established? Yeah, yeah. Excellent question. So, in my opinion, really the only way to market yourself besides, you know, the, the first two things we, we talked about, which is to create content and mm-hmm. score highly in public contests. I think actually the third and perhaps the most important of those three is to do the best job that you possibly can. And it's like a, it's a very boring answer. It's like mm. almost the obvious answer, but <laughs> people necessary. don't, but like, yeah, like it's the obvious answer, but it's, so powerful obviously you'll think of it but you won't really value it nearly as much as it ought to be it literally becomes exponential over time like if you do the best audit you build a handcrafted like test suite for the team that you know you didn't even say you're going to do that you show them all of these fuzzing tests that you beyond do and above, you deliver. Above and beyond yeah stuff. absolutely <laughs> and, and you write like really well handcrafted pocs for every single finding Maybe you even go and you record videos that 
explain and walk through some of the more complex findings. Oh, yeah. We did that for our third report for GMX. We have some very complex findings. So I oh, recorded okay. some videos and went through and walked through on a whiteboard. We walked through those findings and those are like, those are attached with the report. Like you go absolutely above and beyond you put, you know, so, so many hours and focus into the audit. Big firms can't compete with that. Big mm. firms have to pay engineers like, you know, I don't know, whatever they pay them. The yeah. market rate, yeah. they only work five days a week. They don't, it's not their brand that they're putting behind the audit, right? Yeah. I mean, these are very highly trained professionals and they're extremely exceptionally good at what they do, no doubt, but nothing will beat like extremely intelligent people who are also extremely invested in the yeah. product, right? So if it's my brand and I'm putting my name on this report and like it's Guardian Audits and I feel as if I am an owner of Guardian Audits, you know, whether I be just a person on the team or someone mm -hmm. who is you know, actually a founder, like if I really feel in line and like actually care if this audit is the best that it could possibly be, mm -hmm. I'm just going to give so much more than you're going to get anywhere else. Right. Follow up question to that. Let's say you did build a team and you wanted people in your team to have the same mentality, but they're not a founder. How would you go mm -hmm. about that then? Yeah. The, the paper vulnerability model definitely helps with this as like, if we're talking about incentives, like if we charge a client per vulnerability, we're going to pass on the same incentive to you. So you're actually going to get paid more if you uncover more findings, right? Because we're going to make money, you're going to make more money. So that's like a very baseline level of, you know, it doesn't have to do so much with, you know, taking ownership of the brand, but that's like baseline surface level. Okay, you're incentivized to actually uncover stuff. Okay. Beyond that, when it comes to buying into the brand, you know, I mean, this is this is very much on the edge of what I'm still like learning and, and getting better at. I'm very much like a novice okay. entrepreneur. If you could even call me an entrepreneur <laughs> at this, at this level. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're very early on in the game. Like I don't even think that I'm still even at the level. Like, like I, I feel like we don't even really have a company yet. I'm not even really an entrepreneur yet. I'm okay. more, at this point, still just a someone, an auditor. I'm almost, I'm, I'm like an independent auditor with an amazing team. That That's all we have at this point. We don't have like a company per se. Of course, we have a brand and all this. Mm -hmm. But exactly like you're talking about, at the point where we hit that threshold, where we have like a whole team that is really invested in the brand, mm -hmm. that's when we have a company. And that's something that I am very much still learning and in the process of, you know, figuring out, okay, how do we, you know, get people to really feel in line with the vision that we have set yeah. out and the the values that we want to take and the work that we want to do in the space mm -hmm. and we, what we want to see actually come out of all the work that we're doing. That's something we're very much working on. But I think, you know, from my perspective so far, it is, it comes down to hiring people and bringing people onto the team that agree with the culture of what you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. and really agree with the content that your brand puts out. I think that the the content that we that I put out on my YouTube is actually very important for this, for attracting exactly yeah. those people who want to just give the most value that they possibly can, mm -hmm. like literally lay out everything that I know on YouTube, just give it away. 
and we attract those people. And ultimately, that's going to help, you know, us build an amazing brand off the back of that. But it is going to take like years of just continuing to do that. And a lot of learning on my part. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You would have to basically filter out, see who you gel with, catch a vibe with, and just see if they are like consistent in their efforts as well. For example, when you're doing the whiteboard videos, you would also want them to do it, right? So they can kind mm-hmm. of like uphold those values. And if they're not, you're going to put them in, gonna like give them a little nudge. Like you don't want to be around people that are not going to call you out when you're mm-hmm. in your in the wrong, right? You don't want yes, yes sayers around you. It's just going to hold you back. One last thing I wanted to ask was, how do you schedule your day? And basically have time for managing content, you know, doing managing, I guess, your social life, if you even have one, like, you know, friends and family, right? Um, but then like, you know, exercising and, and then running, you know, guarding audits and managing maybe multiple audits at once or just single audits. I don't know how that goes. But yeah, just how do you schedule your day, really? Yeah, absolutely. It it very much varies, you know, if we're working on a project or if we have, you know, a little bit of time in between a project to focus on content or something like this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we do do one audit at a time just so like that really drills down into we really believe that if you yeah, deliver focus. the best audit over the the quantity of audits, that is going to produce a completely different results over time. But in terms of like my schedule, I mean, usually like, so this is one thing I actually changed recently that has had a massive benefit is that I no longer have like an alarm to wake up because I was just like auditing later and later into the night <laughs> yeah. with, with every day. And then, you know, waking up at like still like, you know, nine in the morning and just like literally not getting enough sleep because I can't like fall asleep in time. And it was just, dude, it, it was awful. So removed the alarm to wake up and added an alarm to go to sleep. And that has like completely changed my life. <laughs> oh, okay. like I, 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 dude, I feel so much better. Like I used to wake up and I thought it was just normal to feel like absolute can you, yeah. are, are you allowed to curse on this podcast? Or? Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, yeah. No, I just felt like absolute shit. Like every time I woke up and it was like that for so long that I, I just thought it was normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, interesting. Like, I've never heard of putting an alarm to go to bed, but that makes total sense. Because uh-huh. I'm yeah, yeah. also the same. You just get completely laser focused in work and you forget about time. All flies by like, damn, 16 hours gone already since I woke up. And then it's like, you know, two hours, four hours past your bedtime, 4am, something like that. You just yeah, completely yeah. destroyed your sleep schedule until, you know, you do an all night or just go to bed early from some like melatonin or sleeping tablets. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. That's interesting. I might actually try that. Yeah, dude, definitely highly recommend if, if, I mean, I, I bet you're just like me, you, you just like get engrossed in something and lose track of time. Yeah. I feel like all of us do that when we, when we're in mm-hmm. tech and really passionate about something. Right. But it's been such a pleasure talking to you and understanding where you've came from and how Guardian Audits have has been built. I think that's been like an amazing story and I think a lot of people are going to value this. Yeah, it's just been a pleasure, man. Appreciate you coming on. Dude, absolutely. Likewise, this was a blast. And I'm, dude, honestly, I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. I'm really looking forward to the other episodes you got on. I know you got, you got some really cool people coming on this podcast. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it, man. Yeah, well, there we go. Take care, everyone.